Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just bow our heads just a moment. You know, we've just been in that place of worship. We might have done notices, but you can still connect to what he's doing right now in this moment. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit here today. Presence of the Holy One, just fill this room now. Breathe upon us again. Lord, I pray today you'll speak every, to every heart. Lord, let me be a vessel to speak what you want to say. I open up myself to you today for you to flow through me. And God, I ask that you'll do something in everyone's heart today, God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be reading uh, from verse 6 through to verse 16. Just a few few verses. It says this, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. They said this, why this waste? This perfume, verse 9, could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. I want to talk to you this morning for just a short time. I want to talk to you today about the fact that when we come and we worship Jesus, when we truly come into a place of surrender and we come into a place where we bow our knee and our hearts are in worship, that God can change the atmosphere. I don't know about you, but this morning, I think we've had a taste of that. When you begin to press in to the presence of God, you're not just here to sing a few songs, but you really want to see God change your atmosphere. I don't know about you, but I don't want him just to change my atmosphere in church, but I want him to change my atmosphere in my work, my home, everywhere. And you know, a lot of the time, we hear people talk about revival, we hear people talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit coming and doing great things, and we sing a song, you know, Holy Spirit come, change the atmosphere. 
many of us are very good at talking about welcoming the Holy Spirit to come. And that's a good thing. But I want to talk to you today about the fact that you can't just say we want the Holy Spirit to come. You've got to be hungry for Him to come. You see, Holy Spirit will come on hearts and breaking to lives that are hungry and thirsty for Him. It's, it's easy to say, Holy Spirit, come, change the atmosphere, but actually you're not willing to change yourself. It's so easy. I, I've, I've been in the meetings. Oh, come and change the atmosphere, but actually my heart's not right. The things that are wrong in me and, and I know that I need to deal with things that I've got going on wrong inside of me that I know I need to sort that thing out. And, and sometimes what we do is we, we verbalize these things and we say, come change the atmosphere, Lord, come and do something, send your power, you know, do an Elijah fire. We want you to just come and do something in this room. But Jesus calling us this morning to change as well. When we change, He will change the atmosphere of this place. You'll see that as you begin to surrender in worship to Him, as you begin to surrender everything in your life, you will begin to see that God's Spirit will begin to move in a different way than you've ever seen before. I don't believe we've seen yet what God wants to do. We're on the verge of seeing God do something special in this house. We really are. You can believe it or not, but I do. Why? Because I can sense it. I know that God reveals things. There is fresh revelation coming into this house. And God wants to do something. I don't think it's a mistake and an accident that we got people like Eric coming. Not because Eric's special, but because Eric is going to encourage us to move into that place. And there is going to be a shift and a change. You get ready. Title is changing your atmosphere. I want to change my atmosphere at home. I want to change my atmosphere in the church. Well, that's going to demand me to change sometimes. Don't just leave it all to God. He's not someone who's just going to just wage some, you know, wave a magic wand, excuse the, the term, but do something and just send a fire and change. We need to change. We need to change. And what we see in this story is something that is so powerful. It's in other verses, Mark chapter 14 and John 12 as well. We see the same instance of this breaking open of the alabaster jar. This woman that decides to take this, this perfume that's worth a year's, over a year's wages. And in that room, she breaks open this perfume. And she shifts the atmosphere. Do you know that in that room, you've got, you've got someone who is hungry to worship Jesus. You've got someone who's looking at the perfume's value. Someone who's looking at Jesus' value. And someone who's looking to sell Jesus off. Do you know you can be in church? You can be in the greatest meeting, feel the presence of God in a room. But you can have individuals who've all got a different agenda. You can, listen, just because we've met together today doesn't mean we're all perfect. We some, every one of us needs to change in some way. And, and some of us need some pruning. Say, Jesus, prune me. Right. There's only a few of you said that. 
Do you think you don't need pruning? Every one of us needs pruning in our lives. We need that pruning so that God can bring us into a place of absolute surrender. Absolute surrender to Him. You see, you can be superficially great in the eyes of people, but sacrificially weak in the eyes of God. You can be superficially great in the eyes of... you You can bow the knee and look great. But I'm asking you today, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Are you bowing your heart or just your knee? Are you bowing just your knee? Listen, we can look the part. We can look good. I can get on my knees here and I can look the most holy person for you. But the reality is this. Where is my heart today? Because God is looking for hearts that are hungry. Surrendered. Humble hearts, not proud hearts. And listen, when we get into this place of deep surrender, the power of God, the Holy Spirit will move in this house. Hallelujah. You know, you can, you can do it cheap or you can do it expensive. A few, few months back, I, I was on Amazon and I was deciding which, some aftershave to buy because I s- smelt this nice aftershave someone had got. And then I saw that there's alternatives on there, some cheap versions. And I read the reviews. They had lots of reviews. They said this thing's beautiful. It smells just the same as the real one. It's just fake. I tried it out. By the way, I've got authentic stuff on today. But I thought I'm gonna. It's, 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 it's something that's like an imitation. It's it's like it. People were reviewing saying it just smells like the real thing. I thought that's. I'll have some of that half the half the price. So I bought some. It came. The first day I put it on, I was on ministry somewhere. So I went to minister in another church. And I went to this church. And I arrived there in the morning. They prayed for me beforehand in the, in the, in the entrance downstairs in this church. And I got this aftershave on. And everyone was complimenting me. Just like Amazon. It's the same comments. Nice smell. But all of a sudden, about 15 minutes into wearing this thing, I started to come out in a rash. Not only did I have a rash, I started a a throbbing headache. And I started feeling sick. They asked me if I want to drink a coffee. I couldn't even drink the coffee. I had to preach. By the time I got up to preach, I felt so terrible. I thought, this has got to be the aftershave. Do you know what I did? I tested it another day as well. I did it again. And the same thing happened again. I sent it back to Amazon with a comment and said, I don't want this. It's not fit for purpose. If you try to do something cheap, let me tell you, you're going to get affected. If you have cheap worship, if you have something that does, it looks good, but it ain't costing you anything, it'll affect you. It'll affect you. It'll affect your function. You may be able to run for so long, but boy, couldn't I wait till I finished preaching. I felt rough. I realized this thing was contaminating me. And actually for us, sometimes if we choose cheap worship, if we choose superficial worship, what happens is we, we lose out on the real authenticity of a connection to God. God is not looking for a church that's uncertain of the value of Him in their lives. 
He's not looking for a church that's uncertain and says, I don't know of your value. You see, I look in that room and I see a mixed opinion of Jesus' value. And you can, you can be a follower of Jesus and be uncertain of his value. You, you got so used to doing the system. You got so used to doing church. You, you're so used to it that you're uncertain of his value. Do you know that the people who said to Jesus, to, to, the, to the woman, what are you doing? These were his disciples. They were in Bethany. They'd, they knew the story that Lazarus, and John 12 says that Lazarus was in the room. But Lazarus had been raised from the dead in the previous chapter. They were hanging around with someone who could resurrect someone from the dead. They'd seen him feed 5,000. They'd seen the miracles. But they lost view of his value. And she decides all of a sudden to come out and to bring this alabaster jar and break it open. And she shows that actually it's your presence I want. You're everything to me. God's not looking for a church that doesn't understand or is uncertain of his value. He's looking for a church that's sold out for him. Sold out for everything he is in our lives. See, atmospheres change when we're prepared to break open our alabaster jars. I want to ask you today, what's your alabaster jar? You're thinking, well, I don't have an alabaster jar. I don't even know what one is. Let me tell you something today. Every one of us have an alabaster jar that's something that holds on to us. Something that we're holding on to more than actually worshipping Jesus. We're holding on to this thing that we think it's all about this. And actually you've got to break that thing. You've got to say, I surrender this thing. I want to surrender the very thing that I'm looking at. The very thing that's a worth and a value to me. I'm surrendering it to you, Jesus. I want to ask you today, what's your alabaster jar? What are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to? You see, atmospheres change when you're prepared to break the seal of your alabaster jar. You're prepared to break it open and give everything to God. Psalm 51 verse 17 says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. If we want to see a move of the Holy Spirit, we've got to come with broken hearts towards God. Bowing our knee, but bowing our hearts as well. I want to bring just a few points to encourage you today. Just focusing in on this story of what happens, what we should see in our lives for atmospheres to change around us. It's not just about praying it down. It's about changing our lives. Number one is this. Atmospheres change when adoration costs you your reputation. Atmospheres will change in your life. Around you, in church, we're going to see a a move of the Holy Spirit. When adoration to God, devotion to God, will cost you your reputation. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform 
of the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To offer our bodies of a living sacrifice, to give everything we are to him, it means we don't conform to what the world says. You see, the, the very, I don't know about, my, my boys are always asking me, they'll say, Dad, does that person know we go to church? <laughs> do, we go to the school, do, do they know we go to church? They asked me today, does the neighbor know we go to church? Yeah, they know. I've told them. Do you know, I, I realize actually, there's many of us, I want to ask you the last time, when did you tell the people around you that you go to church? You know, what, what person in your life have you built a reputation up for that you are scared to tell them now because you don't want them to know that you go to church? Even just attend. Even just attend the men's or women's breakfast. You know, just because it's in the church. I've been there. I've been in times and when the enemy just comes, don't, you don't want to tell them that. Ruin your reputation. And so many of us hold on to our reputation. We're holding on to this thing we're building in our lives. And what's happening is we're becoming ashamed of Jesus. You see, if you're ashamed of Jesus, he's going to be ashamed of you before the Father. We've got to get into a place where we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of church. We're not ashamed of the choice that we've made to follow Jesus with all our hearts. We're not ashamed, church. It's a lie of the enemy for you to start believing that your reputation is worth more than your adoration. If you start believing that, you're going to limit yourself. You want the Holy Spirit to change your atmosphere. you got to change. you got to say, it's time to start telling people about Jesus again. It's time to come out and start telling people, this is who I belong to. Hallelujah. Otherwise, we conform to the world. Isn't it interesting that he says in Romans chapter 12, Paul, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, I mean, think about that just for a moment. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Give everything, everything you are to Jesus. Everything. You are a walking sacrifice. Everything. Not just a little bit. Everything. Give it all. And when you do, you're going to surrender yourself and not conform to the world. And and I want to encourage you today. That's the enemy's tactic for you to not become a living sacrifice and become conformed to the world. So you focus on building reputation with the world. You focus on building a rhythm with the world. It's time to break the rhythm. With the world. And surrender everything we had. You see that dining table that was in that room. Had a specific purpose. You know they were all around. And it says that Jesus was reclining. By the table. And you can imagine that food was probably going to be coming out. And they, they, were, they were enjoying and relaxing together around this table. And what does she do? She comes and brings in this perfume. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I had dinner guests, or if I had someone around the table, and someone walked in the room and burst open some perfume and poured it on someone's head, I'd say you've chose the wrong time. I was, I was pretty much liking the smell of this dinner. 
And you wasted all that money. You see, what she did is she redefined the moment. She redefined the purpose. You see, it's so interesting that what Jesus is looking for, he's looking to to get our attention, but for us to get attention of him in the times when we don't think we should. Some of us, are, uh, we, we think, oh, worship for Jesus is, is from 10 o'clock till 20 to 11, roughly, on Sundays. And that, that's it. That's it for me. But I, I believe that what God is looking for in us as a church, in us as a people, is for us to start recognizing that when you worship him in your car, when you worship him and you do it in spirit and truth, just like it says in John chapter 4, that you're going to see the atmosphere is going to change because you redefine the moments. Hallelujah. Come on, say, I'm going to redefine my moments. I'm going to change my atmosphere. Hallelujah. Otherwise, what we do is we create boundaries. We, you know, we, we create these boundaries for our lives. I'm, I'm only going to do it here, and I'm not going to do it here. My, just this last week, I've been taking my boys to school, and... Um, Every, my, my youngest one, Lewis, he always, always, without fail, gives me a kiss. Oh, isn't that nice? Gives me a kiss. In the playground, I've done it since he was young going in there, but this, these last few weeks he's been doing it, then all of a sudden I walked up to the line with him, I'm holding all his bags and his coats, and he's there with his friends, and I said, give me a kiss just before he's about to walk into the line to go, and he says, not, not here, Dad. <laughs> this is just this week. I'm like, look, and I kind of didn't know what to do. You know, if anyone's got kids, you have a flash, flashback moment. You're thinking, hang on a sec. I'm the one who bought your nappies. I'm the one who's given you food. I've been looking after you and feeding you since you were born. And you tell me what you want. It doesn't work like that. No, dad, not now. I, I was a little bit upset. And I walked away and I said, when he got home, I said, I want a word with you. (laughs) Tell me, what was that about? What's happened? Who are you trying to please? He said, I'm not telling you. (laughs) I said, come on, tell me. I was was trying to demand it out of him. And then I said, who is it? He said, oh, it's no one. Then the next few days, he let me do it again. But I realized something. What he did is he says, he actually asked me, he says, dad, do it outside the gate. Let's create a boundary, dad. Just discreet. Do you know you could have been worshipping Jesus. You can be in a relationship with Jesus for years. What happens is, doesn't matter how long you know Jesus, doesn't matter how much you've built a relationship with him, some of us sometimes what we do is we fall into a trap where actually we start to create boundaries. We say, I'm not going to do it here. None of your friends know about this, but you create your own virtual boundaries. You say, this is where I'm going to allow Jesus to come in. And this is where I'm going to show my adoration. And what we're doing is we're trying to hold our reputation. You see, if you hold on to your reputation in life, you're going to fall flat on your face. It's not up to you to build your reputation. It's up to God to build your reputation. <laughs> you, if you try building your own reputation, you're going to fall flat. It's up to God to build that. I want to ask you today, what reputation are you building that's worth more value than your devotion to God. What reputation do you try to build that's worth more than the devotion? It has more value 
than your devotion to God, your adoration to God. In Revelation chapter 2, I want to just show you something. Because when Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus, he says this, verse 3, he says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Perseverance and endurance were their reputation. Perseverance and endurance, hard work were their traits, great traits. Look what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. Look at everything I've done. I've endured the hardships. I've done this. This church was an amazing church. It had a great reputation. But their reputation had sold off their adoration. Do you know you can, you, can, you can fall into a false sense of security when you build your reputation so much that your hard work is the very thing that you look to? Am I preaching to someone today? Come on. Why? Some of us, what we do is we're building. Listen, it's time to not build the reputation. It's time to build a life of devotion and adoration. Let God build your reputation for you. The more you're on your knees, he'll build what he wants to build in your life. But some of us, what we're trying to do is saying, I want to prove myself. I am I'm someone who can persevere. I'm someone who can work hard. Listen, if you work hard for Jesus and don't give time to adoration, you work hard, you'll have a hardened heart. You work your hard, your hard word, work ethic will take you to a place where your heart becomes hardened. Hard work hardens hearts. And pride is a false sense of security. You think you've got something and it, listen, the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. If you've got pride in your heart, you better get ready for a fall. Because God will bring you down. This is hard stuff, I know, but it's true. And he's brought me down before, so I can say that. I've been proud. I've been proud in certain areas. And God has had to bring me down to another level. Why? Because it's a good thing. Humility is the best thing we can walk in. You know? Come on. It's not about being proud. It's not about being proud. Look, and and, and all of us are at at this danger every day of our lives. And the enemy is using this to try and lure us away. But I want to say to you today that when you become really humble before Jesus, he will lift you up in due time. He'll lift you up in his time. Don't let that false sense of security in pride steal your humility. It's a precious, precious thing. In John chapter 13, verse 3 to 5, Jesus' humility became a real security for him. It says this, verse 3, Jesus knew, listen to this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. But listen to this. Just, if you read verse 3, you think, wow, he must, that's enough to fill you with pride. 
He knows this. He knows where he's going. He knows where he's come from. He knows who he is. Some of us, when we recognize that we're walking and everything's going right in our lives and God's just using us, power of God's flowing through us, I'm, I'm just walking on top of the world. That's when pride comes in. That's when the enemy says, look at what you've achieved. Look at who you are. Look at the identity of what you've become. That is worth shouting about. That's worth you celebrating over. Look, listen to me. Jesus, as soon as he says in verse 3, you recognize this. Verse 4, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Wow. Hang on, hang on a sec. Jesus, shouldn't you be going and, and just tweeting on, on Twitter and, and sending an Instagram post out to tell people how good you are? That you know where you're going? That you know where you've come from? That you, how amazing you are? No, what he says is this. When I understand who I am, when I understand the authority I carry, it's time to get up from this place and get down on my knees. Because I want to show you what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about washing people's feet. It's about humility. Even when you know you have authority. Wow. People with authority in the business world generally will... I've had people throw their weight around on me, I tell you. Oh, I've had people throw their power and authority and weight. It's, there's no humility. We've got to set the standard differently. We've got to say it's time to become humble. Under authority. Say, I'm coming. Humility before you, God. God will lift you up in his timing. It's time to recognize that even when you know who you are in Christ, to get on your knees and wash your friend's feet. And I don't mean physically. I know we got Jane here today, wash his feet, but... You can do that, Jane. So, someone's laughing. You've got a customer downstairs. <laughs> you know, some, some of us think sometimes, I, I'm not going to wash anyone's feet. You don't have to wash someone's feet, but you sometimes got to, when you think you have a great, when God is doing something great in your life, it's time to get on your knees. It's time to lower yourself and serve them. What a principle that Jesus sets is that he says, I'm not going to let my reputation be at the forefront. I'm going to let my humility come and lower myself. He lowers himself and then God lifts him up. Number two, atmospheres change when opposition is seen as an opportunity. When, When she comes into this room and she brings the alabaster jar, there's a lot of opposition. You've got someone who wants to sell Jesus you got someone who's looking at the value of the alabaster jar. I mean, you can imagine she walks in at the table and everyone's reclining and she's just coming in ready to open this. And everyone's like looking, don't drop that. That's, that's a year's worth of wages. Then she goes to unscrew the top. You can imagine the eyes of these people. Opposition. Listen, every time that God is going to do something great in your life and he's looking for you to become sacrificial towards him, to give something to him, to surrender who you are to him, opposition's going to come. The enemy's going to say, don't go that far. Don't push it that far. If you go that far, it's too much. 
Look at the eyes watching you. It's too much. I've had people tell me, you're, you're a bit too much of a fanatic for Jesus. I can't get more fanatical than I am. I'm trying to be more fanatical. Why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. Church, he's worth it. He's worth everything you got. He's worth everything. She walks in with the job. Listen, who are you in that room? Disciple? Follower of Jesus? Seen him raise the dead? Seen him do miracles? Yeah, Jesus, I'm your best friend reclining at the table. Yeah, I know, I know how you work, Jesus. I know how you roll. Come on. What are you doing with that alabaster jar? Put that back. Or are you the woman who ignores the voices, ignores the... And sometimes it's not the voices you, you've got to worry about with people. It's the eyes, isn't it? Oh, the eyes speak a lot more sometimes than the voice. I've noticed that. I don't know about you, but I, I, I can go into a room sometimes. I can see the, we, the way people look at me. The eyes tell me everything. And what happens is it pushes you into a place where you feel like, I don't know whether I want to push this far with God. But I want to tell you, it's time to see opposition as opportunity. When there is opposition, that means you're on the brink. As a church, we're on on the brink of God doing something great. But we can either come in the room and say, I'm not going to raise my hands in worship. That's just not my thing. That's not the way I roll. In fact, I I, I don't know about this speaking in tongues thing. That's not for me. Let me tell you, you need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me it's not for you. Don't tell me it's not for you. It's for every single person. Acts chapter 2 says he'll pour his spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Come on. Are you exempt from that? Come on. He wants to fill you with a new tongue. And I ain't worried about saying it. You want to leave the church because you don't like my tongues? You find a church. But listen to me. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost in us. Come on. We're a Pentecostal church. Where are all the Pentecostal churches? Come on. Come on. So we need to get the joy of the Lord, don't we, again? Come on, Steve. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Verse 8 says this, when the disciples, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Do you know what that means? They're angry. Don't like this. Put it back. Put it back in the safe. They were indignant. They said this, why this waste? Imagine saying that in front of Jesus. Why this waste? He's just, he's resurrected Lazarus. Why? What are you doing? Why this waste? This perfume could be sold at a high price. Why? Why this waste? Some of us sometimes we're saying, I don't want to go this far because I could be wasting my time. I could be wasting my money. There are some people now in this room 
that God is speaking to. And that there's opposition that's come against you that says, if you go that far, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your energy, you're wasting your purpose, you're wasting your life to go that far. You're wasting your life away. But you ain't wasting anything. When you give everything to God, when you surrender everything to Him, you ain't wasting anything. Why waste? Why waste? Why waste your time? Why waste your time on that new venture that you've got? Why waste your time on that new idea you've got? Why waste your time giving, tithing? Why waste it? Spend it on yourself. You deserve it. You deserve it. It's Christmas. You deserve, you deserve to have a month off tithing. You deserve it. You know them whispers? Come on. You deserve, you deserve, don't they have mortgage holidays? You deserve a tithe holiday. You've been given a long time. Why waste this now? Why waste it? And I want to encourage you today. When you give to God everything you have, you are not wasting anything. In fact, you are giving to him for him to give back more to you than you could ever wish or imagine. Hallelujah. Jesus. And if you wonder why I'm shouting at this church, we're a Pentecostal church. And I get excited. Why? Because the church needs to get excited again and get passionate for Jesus. Oh, this lifestyle's a high price. It's too much for me. I'm not going to waste my life on going to church every week. In fact, you know what? I'm going I'm to do it every now and again. Alternate it. Rotate the, the weeks around. I wonder if, if I do it alternate, whether anyone will notice. You know, I don't worry about whether you know whether I'm at church or not. I don't worry about that. Do you know what I worry about? Well, that I'm here to meet with God and to serve him. Your opinions don't matter to me. Because I don't live my life on your opinions. I live my life on Jesus. He is my rock. And I know in my heart what I'm doing. So we, if you live on opinions, you're going to fall flat. Be, if you put him center of your life, let's, listen to me. You'll want to be at church every week. Come on. You want to be at the men's breakfast. You want to be there. You want to be there and hungry for God. You want to be there because he is the centerpiece. But no, the, the Satan comes and whispers, why waste your time? You've given enough. You went on Sunday. You don't need to go on Tuesday night to the prayer meeting. They don't need you. Let them pray. It's time to get full hearts devoted to God sacrificial hearts that said this is not a waste this is a divine opportunity and I'm going to see the opposition of the enemy against me and I'm going to see the opposition as an opportunity to break through to change my atmosphere to change my world amen verse 13 Jesus said truly I tell you wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world what she's done will also be told in memory of her. 
Can I just say something what's amazing about this? He says that what she's just done is going to be recorded for the rest of time. I find it amazing this because what they're all interested in the value of Jesus, selling him off. They're interested in all these other avenues to go down. But she's interested in something that is actually selfless. Yet God elevates her. Jesus elevates her. He says, Jesus says, do you realize what she's done? She's going to be recognized and her story will influence the preaching of the gospel. Wow. In other words, when you start to be sacrificial before God, when you lay everything down before him, you'll realize that God will lift you up and you may not see the reward now, but you'll see the reward in the future. Hallelujah. She broke open that alabaster jar and the, listen to me, the aroma in that room because everyone would have smelt it and said, wow, what that's nice smell. A year's worth. A year's worth gone. What a waste. But she, she filled that room with the fragrance. And I'll tell you what, those people would have known that fragrance if it was that strong. They'd have known that fragrance filled the room. And I'm telling you, you'll see real people who really sacrifice. You'll smell it upon them, if you know what I mean. You'll know when someone's really authentic and on fire for Jesus Christ. There's an aroma. There's something about them that surrenders everything. And when she opened that seal, when she decided to put that oil, this perfume upon his head, and she broke that release of that perfume into the room, what she was doing is releasing an aroma that Jesus said that this will now be recorded. In fact, what she was actually doing is she opened that jar. She was writing history. She was writing the Bible. Second Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed. So when she began to open that jar, what was happening is she was releasing into the room. She was releasing the future words that you would read in your Bible. You see, when you sacrifice, God releases something and it changes the atmosphere. It has a greater effect than 12 Months wages. It has a greater effect than 30 pieces of silver. That will only last for a moment. But what happened here. He says this will be in memory of her. Her sacrifice will have an effect. It will be rippled through time. It will change the atmosphere. Come on church. Can I remind you today. That 2000 years ago. There was someone and his name was Jesus Christ who hung on a cross. His blood was shed for you. He died on the cross for you. If you say today I'm insignificant as was said earlier. You say I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But he died for you. That while you were still a sinner, he died for you. And 2,000 years ago, I'll tell you what Jesus did. He, knowing who he was, he became humble. And he put himself in a place of surrender. 
He said, I know I could walk around. I could get angels to rescue me. But I know that as I surrender myself, I am breaking my body. He wasn't opening an alabaster jar. He was breaking his body and pouring his blood. His blood has value. I'll tell you what the value is. He's the son of the living God. Crucified. And I'm telling you today, his blood still speaks a better word. His blood still speaks a better word over your life. No matter what sin you've got involved in, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've failed him, let me tell you, his blood speaks a better word. He broke himself. He surrendered himself. He was torn apart for you. His alabaster jar was his body. The perfume that had value was his blood. It was poured out for you and me. Do you know there's power in the blood of Jesus? <sighs> to cleanse you from all sin. To cleanse you. Wash you. Some of you today, you may feel guilty. You're saying, I, I don't deserve it. It's time to recognize the power of the blood again. That washes every sin. He cleanses us. He cleanses us. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad I know Jesus. Because sometimes I know the failures I've made in my life. But I, I'm glad I know him who forgives me of all my sins. He rescues my life from the pit and satisfies my desires with good things. Haratasike. Come on. I'm getting excited today. Hallelujah. Do you know what happens when Jesus did this? His blood, when you receive forgiveness of sin... And you become a Christian. And you follow Jesus. And I'm preaching the gospel today. You follow Jesus. And you surrender everything you are to him. And you say, I want you in my life. Do you know what the Bible says? That you become the aroma of Christ. You become the aroma of Christ. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 15 to 16. It says this. For we are to God. The pleasing aroma of Christ among those who have been saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to another the aroma bring, that brings life. Can I say to you, when you receive Jesus, when he covers you with his blood, he forgives you of all your sins and you say, I want you in my life. I humble myself. I want you to, to, to wash me, cleanse me of everything. Do you know what happens? You're covered by the blood. You're covered by the blood of Jesus. His, his blood speaks a better word. And you carry, do you know what? You carry the aroma of Christ. You carry what was broken on the cross. You carry that aroma. What was broken is alabaster jar of his body that was broken, his blood shed. You carry the aroma of Christ. Do you know what happens when you carry the aroma of Christ and you come into complete surrender and you say, I want you, I want to surrender to you, I want your blood to cover me? You start walking in authority. You start walking in authority. Humility will bring authority for you. You know, last week I was preaching away in Portsmouth last week and 
I went there. I, was, I felt so ill to preach. I understood Paul's words about being strong when you feel weak. I felt weak. And I went into the room and I thought, I'm not going to be able to preach. I cannot preach. I feel terrible. And I got up to preach and God worked through me. Not because of my might, not because of my power, but by his spirit. Zechariah 4, 6. But you know when I stood up and I ministered, I got to the end and they said, will you prophesy over some people? And so I started prophesying over certain individuals. And one lady I prophesied over, all of a sudden, I started to speak words of life over this woman. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, she manifests a demon. This church was big. I went down, I said, don't worry, this is God working. This is what we need to see again in Pentecostal churches. Come on, you read the Bible. It says demons leave people. Oh, we don't want that. We'll, we'll, we'll pocket that one for Thursday night on the special service. You can only get a demon released from you on Thursdays. In fact, next week, we're not on next week, so you can't have it next week. So you'll have to wait a month. No, when you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, wherever he went, demons fleed. Why? Because he carried authority. When we're a church that comes into humility, when we're sacrificing everything, let me tell you, this room is going to fill with the atmosphere, the presence of God, like you've never known before. And you're going to see people manifest sometimes, and you're not going to like what you see. But let me tell you, as long as you accept that they're getting free, it's good. I, 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 saw, I was trying to prophesy over her. What was happening is, the demon did not want her to hear the words of life. The words of hope for her. So I walked up. And I just looked at it and I carried on prophesying. The demon manifested more. So I thought, well, before I carry on prophesying, I'll command this thing to leave. I said, by the blood of Jesus, get out. I didn't make a big scene. Get out. And I realized the power and the authority of Christ. It set her free. Then I prophesied to her. And all that, and I was feeling ill. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about him that flows through. Do you know what I've realized? Sometimes God will use me more when I feel terrible. Because <laughs> it ain't about me. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how you feel. It's about him. We carry the aroma of Christ. Finally, as I come to close, if I can have the keys back, that would be great. Number three is this. Atmospheres change when earth's treasure is no longer your measure. When earth's treasure is no longer your measure. I want to ask you, what value, what is it that you've put in your life that is so valuable that you want to put that before Jesus? Because we've all got these things. We've all got them. Judas, in verse 15, it says, what are you willing to give me? He went to the chief priest. He says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? So he's... He's been among the people. He's seen, he knows Lazarus has been raised from the dead. He's hanging around with Jesus. He's seen the woman break open the jar. That discouraged him. I'm getting out of here. Where's the chief priest? I'm finding out what, I want these 30 pieces of silver. And he wanted the silver. He wanted the 30 pieces of silver. So that become more valuable to him than Jesus. You know, you can have, do you know, Jesus can be right among you. You can know that he's done miracles in people's lives in this room. You can know the healing power of God. You've witnessed it. You've seen God move. You know he's in, your, in the midst of your, your services. You can see all this, but you can still sell him off on Monday morning. 
You can sell him off on Monday, but you, you were around him on Sunday lifting your hands. You were on your knees. But Monday you sold him off. Why? Because you got into work. And that person that walked in, where did you go at the weekend? Ah, oh, just, just relaxing. Just, just chilling. Sunday? Yeah, chilling. Okay. It's time to say, I've been to church. Because I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And he's changed me. And he can change you. You start getting public about it and you'll start to, to lose your inhibitions over him. Over serving him and worshipping him. It says they counted out 30 pieces of silver. And from then on Judas, he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. <sighs> Do you realize that opportunities will come easy if you're not flowing in Jesus? Opportunities that she had had opposition. But the opportunity he was looking for, it was going to come easy. Why? Because the enemy will give you easy opportunities. Oh, he just looked for the opportunity to hand him over, get the 30 pieces, pieces of silver. Quick, quick thing. Quick transaction. I don't know how he felt, Judas, when he got those 30 pieces of silver, but I don't know. He must have felt, is it really worth this? Some people get so far down the betrayal route so far down that route that they can't turn back. I've just got to go through the transaction. I've got to do this. It's my only way. And I want to tell you today, you've never gone too far. Whatever you've done in betrayal, it's time to turn back. It's time to turn back. The transaction ain't made just yet. The transaction, you have not grabbed the bag yet. Bag yet. Serving Jesus is not about money. It's not about money. It's not about how much you're going to get. If I see another thing on God TV or Christian TV, should I say, that asks you to send money for a special handkerchief that's going to bless your bank account. Don't believe it. If I see another thing that tells me if I send my money per month to get some miracle spring water, don't believe it. Serving Jesus is not about financial gain. It's not about what money you've got in your bank account. It's not about the blessings you're going to get. Do you know, two weeks ago I spoke on Numbers 13 about the spies that go into the promised land. All the way through the Bible you see the story about them journeying into the promised land to receive the promise that Abraham saw. Do you know that we read all about the promised land, the real estate. We know that Israel's important. We know it's on God's agenda. His, his time clock is all pivotal to that bit of real estate. But do you know something? It's, it was never about the real estate. It's not about the real estate. It's not about the milk and the honey. It's not about the blessing. It's about relationship, not real estate. It's all about relationship with God. It's the covenant that he made with Abraham. He says, I'm doing this for you because I'm showing that I don't break covenant. But it's all about relationship with me. You can trust me. I will do what I promise. It's not about the milk and the honey. It's not about the blessings. It's about the relationship. Judas saw financial value. says, this is, this is what it's all about. The woman saw relational value. You can either see financial value or relational value. Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, 
Verse 19, 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just stand for a moment. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.